0: How y'all doing tonight? Doing good? You look good. Are y'all excited? Can you just do me a favor and turn to a neighbor and just give them a big smile and just show some teeth? You got to show teeth for it to count. (laughs) We are, uh, we're really pumped to be in uh, this last week of the series we've been in and uh, it's been a fun journey that we've been on. And uh, I don't know if if you're new here, if you haven't been the past few weeks, let me just kind of catch you up on what we've been talking about. We've been in this series called The Real World because it's our desire to be a community that uh, talks about real things, you know. And um, we don't want to just kind of pretend that life is all good and everything is great, there's no problems, and just ignore some key things. But we want to actually step into some of the difficulties in life and discuss those. And so we've been talking about a few things. Before I go any further, I don't want you to wonder who is on this stage. I want to just go ahead and introduce you to him. This is my new friend, uh, Hassani. We all say hey to Hassani? Do me welcome him. Hey
1: everybody. This
0: is his first time to C12. So he's uh he's learning the ropes. Do you enjoy worship?
1: I loved it. Let me tell you something. <laughs> The worship here is incredible. I'm thinking about uh, coming on, on Thursday nights just to experience the yeah. worship service. That was amazing. Let's give them a strong round of applause for I agree. how awesome they go in for God.
0: I agree. I agree. So uh, we'll introduce Hassani to you a little bit more in a minute, but I want to uh, talk about where we've been the past few weeks. If you haven't been with us the first week, uh, we talked about kind of a unique subject. We talked about creation care. We talked about what is our role Uh, as followers of Jesus, what is our role in taking care of the earth He's given us, the environment He's given us, and so we had a guest speaker for that. It was a lot of fun, and then last week, uh, we talked about how to move toward healing from past abuse, and so that was a powerful week, and as you can imagine, um, it would be impossible for me to talk about these things in full in the short 25 minutes that we have on stage, but my goal and my prayer has been that we would uh, we would at least begin a conversation. I think more than anything, what I want is I want you guys, I want the church to be a place where these things can be talked about. And my hope and my prayer for last week is that maybe if you felt like uh, abuse is, is, if abuse has been a part of your life, my prayer is that you left at least being encouraged that the church talked about it. And uh, I know it's impossible for us to... To cover every issue and to answer every question you have in 25 minutes, but my prayer is that you were encouraged with that. And uh, tonight is one of those other things as well, because um, we're going to tackle the issue of, or, or we're going to tackle unity, really, and if you guys remember last week, I, I told you, I said, hey, come back next week, because we're going we're gonna to tackle the topic of racism. And uh, we're going to do that a little bit tonight, but even just in the week of preparation and In my prayer time and talking with some others about this, it was like the Lord was just saying, hey, I don't want you to talk about racism. I want you to talk about unity. Because racism is the sin. Unity is the solution for it. And we don't want to spend the entire time talking. It it would almost be like if I said, hey, next week we're going to talk about hate. Like, no, we're not going to spend the whole time talking about hate. We're going to talk about love. Because love is what God has called us to, and that's what drowns out hate. And what God has called us to is to be unified and to be a people of unity. And so obviously there are things that divide us, and racism is one of those things, along with many other things. But unity is what God has called us to. And so uh, we're going to go after that uh, for the next few minutes. And here's the deal. I'm confident that each of you could get up here and probably share your opinions, share your beliefs share what you think about the issue, share what you think government should do, and all these kinds of things. And to be honest, I could too. But really what I believe is that my job as a pastor, my job as the shepherd of this community is not to share with you my opinions. My job is to go to the depths of the scriptures and find out what does God say about these things, and then ask him to give me the words to say to communicate to you uh, from that. And so that's my role, that's my, my hope, my prayer for tonight uh, as we ju- jump into this topic of unity. And so, um, obviously, I got Hasani here on stage, and Hassani is on staff with us here at 12 Stone, but I want him to share a little bit about uh, his journey, his, you know, your life. You're, you're a stranger to many people, and so uh, give us just a snapshot. Just a sliver. <laughs> a sliver okay. of, of your life, yeah. So,
1: born and raised in New Jersey. Okay. Um, Married for 15 years, Uh, have four children, all girls. Somebody pray for me. We're going to (laughs) pray for you after. Um, uh, Moved down here to Atlanta about six years ago after traveling around the world and living abroad and enjoying that experience, but came down here, and my background is actually I'm a marriage coach. I'm an infidelity recovery specialist, so I deal with couples who are in crisis, those on the verge of divorce, those that really want to restore their relationship, but I've always been in ministry as well, and a few years ago, God uh, led me to to start a church. Hmm. I was a member of 12 Stone. I attended the Sugarloaf Campus, and then God sent me off to start a church, so we planted a church for about a year. And as I was praying for vision, he said, you know what, I, I caused you to start this, but not to, not to lead this, not to run it. So I installed the new pastor, and, and God told me to come, back, come on back home and join the staff at 12 Stone. So I'm, I'm glad to be home. Let's go. We're glad to have you, man. <laughs> I'm pumped. Thank you.
0: Uh, before we go any further, <laughs> uh, four
1: girls. Four girls. How, uh, how old? Well, Paris is fourteen, Madison is thirteen, Savannah is ten, and Sydney is eight.
0: Wow, unbelievable! So tell me this now. I'm just curious. We have a lot of guys in the room who are dating young women. Uh, As a father of four girls, (laughs) what what would you say to these guys? You know, just you know,
1: brothers, don't mess up. (laughs) <laughs> All right? Treat these ladies right because guess what? Life happens in cycles, and what you do, you're going to get. You know, somebody once said, You don't reap where All the girls you sow. Amen. Like, hey, I know, man. right? Someone said, You don't reap where you sow, but you do reap what you sow. Yeah. So, whatever the seeds that you're sowing now, trust and believe is coming back. So, if you treat them right, then you will raise up daughters that will attract the right guys who will treat them right. Come on. That's a whole nother sermon. We'll bring you back for that one as well. <laughs>
0: Um, so I want want to jump in just jump right into this uh, the topic of unity so I guess probably the best place to start is you know in your opinion or what do you think what are what are some of the roadblocks to us being unified I mean unity it seems to be really difficult in today's world what would you say some of the roadblocks are to us being well,
1: united. I think the reality is when it comes to roadblocks or barriers, one of the biggest barriers that prevent us from being united is that we have a tendency of looking at the world through our natural eyes, but we truly don't have the heart of God. Hmm. And if we don't have the heart of God, then we're going to rely on our own reasoning, right, in order to determine and define who people are. So as I look through my natural lenses, I see differences. I see male. I see female. I see black, I see white, I see tall, I see short, I see muscular, I see athletic frames. I see all of these differences. Now the Bible says that God that man looks on outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And if we're not looking through spiritual eyes and with the heart of God, we will allow differences to divide us. But God says that he wants differences to unite us. He wants us to see the diversity, not just the difference. And it kind of makes me think about a scripture uh, that I came across that I've read time and time again. Some of us may be familiar with it. Some of us may not be. But the theme is unity through diversity. And if we look at 1 Corinthians the 12th chapter, the 12th through the 26th verse, I'm not going to read all of it, but some of it I want, to, I want to point out. It says, for as the body is one and has many members, so my body is one body, but I have different members. You all are the body of Christ, but individually you represent different members, correct? Hello, somebody. Yes. All right. So for as the body is one and has many members, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleases. It goes on to say that if there were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head can say to the feet, I have no need of you. Not much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Now, this is deep, seems to be. I think that we have a tendency of looking at people through our own perspective, through our own lenses, through our own interpretations, and it seems to be a problem. They seem to be weaker because we're looking at our, through our eyes and not through the heart of God. But it goes on to say, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body. I'll stop there. Schism, if we know what schism means... It truly means division. Think of the word schism, ism. In this country, we have classism, raceism, sexism, feminism, chauvinism. And all of these are ideologies, and all of these are beliefs and creeds that we adopt that create division. But the Bible says that there should be no division in the body of Christ. And if we truly understand that our individuality represents the diversity that God seeks, it allows us to see with our spiritual eyes as we have a heart for God. So when we understand who God is and have a divine relationship with him, there are no barriers to, to unity because his, his love is imprinted on our heart. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. The roadblock is our eyes. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so I think uh, someone once said something so powerful, diversity plus maturity is strength. Hmm. And so as we mature in God, we look at diversity as an awesome thing because we all benefit from the differences that we all collectively bring to the table.
0: Diversity plus maturity equals strength. You can write that down if you want. You don't have to, but it's (laughs) fine. Uh, What I love about that equation is I think oftentimes when stuff breaks down in culture, we blame it on diversity. When I think in reality it's actually maturity that's broken down. Exactly. And that's why we don't have strength. It wasn't, it wasn't the fact that there was diversity. It yeah. was the fact that there wasn't maturity and with the diversity. Right. And that's why we're not strong together.
1: And as you develop a relationship with God, as you begin to read his word, as you pray, you become more mature as a believer. And then you begin to accept the differences in others.
0: Yeah. And when those things happen, you begin to adopt the heart of God. Exactly. And you begin to see with the heart of God, not just with your own eyes. Amen. Love it. Um, so next question I would have for you is, does God, does God want us all to be the same? Like, can we talk about unity?
1: So does that mean we all just, uh, you know, we're trying to be the same type of person? Well, I don't think that that could be possible because there's so much diversity here in this room. And even if we look at the Bible in Genesis, uh, we know that the scripture says, pertaining to men and women, a man should leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So God wants us to enter into oneness. But oneness is not synonymous with sameness, He doesn't want us to be the same. He wants us to become one. And so I think that if we all were the same, like if I married my wife and my wife was the same as me, then one of us would become obsolete. Right. I would have no need for her. She would have no need for me. But because of her individuality, her self-expression, her own uniqueness, she brings something to the relationship that I could not bring. And so I need her difference. I need her individuality to make the union a much better union. So I believe that God is saying that he does not want us to be the same, but he wants us us to enter into oneness through our diversity. So in essence, he's looking for unity, not uniformity. Mm. Think about it. If you go to Chick-fil-A, everyone, generally speaking, should have on the same uniform. And so it would imply if they're wearing the same uniform, they are the same, they are one. But no, if those uniforms are removed, you would probably see that there are many differences that could create division. So uniformity is not the answer. True unity is the answer. and, And when you understand your greatness, right, if you understand who you are as an individual, then you can begin to celebrate the differences in others. I say all the time that Uh, compatibility isn't being just like another person. Compatibility is identifying the differences and celebrating them to figure out how you can make that work in the relationship that you have with that person. So the differences add to the collective strength. Does that make sense?
0: Okay. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Um, How, like I I think at some point this comes... This all sounds good, unity sounds good, and um, but then the question breaks down to how do, like, how do I change my life? like what does this mean for me as a believer in the everyday life and work and school and just like how does how do I begin to change who I am to begin to unify with other people you know
1: I think it's important for us to understand that we're triune beings, meaning there's three aspects of who we are. We're spirit, soul, and body, right? So we're spiritual beings housed in a physical body and we possess a soul. Now, if I look at your physical body, I'm gonna automatically see the difference. But we're not bodies that have spirits and have souls. We're spiritual beings housed in a body, and we possess a soul. And so when you think about that triune being existence, if the spirit is running the system, that unites us. Because the same spirit that's in me is the same spirit that's in you. If I allow my soul to run the system, my soul is comprised of what? My mind, my will, my emotions, my thought, my intellect, my reasoning. And if I live my life based upon my reasoning, my reasoning has been drenched and soaked and saturated in experiences and things handed down to me from society, media perspectives, and that shapes who I am and what I become. But if I truly know that God is on the inside of me and I connect to that, then that will allow me to become who he wants me to be, and that will allow me to connect to the God that's in everyone in this room. Does that make... So, so that's what we need. Spiritual maturity allows us to establish that connection that we need. That's good.
0: <laughs> I don't know what to say. That's, yeah.
1: And so, you know, the, the reality is this. I, I once heard a powerful story, and, and it speaks about the greatness that is on the inside of us. But if you don't know who you are, you live beneath your privilege. And I want to let each and every one of you know that you're powerful, that you're great, that when God created you, he created a masterpiece. Why? Because there's a piece of the master on the inside of each and every one of you. And it kind of reminds me of a story that I once heard about an eagle who lost her egg one day. And so this tiny eagle egg was found by a mother hen. And so this mother hen, this chicken, took this egg and and ran back to the chicken coop and sat on this egg with the loving patience of a pregnant mother. And it was just a few weeks later that this egg would hatch and out would step a tiny baby eagle. Now, this is an eagle that had eagle's genes, eagle's chromosomes, eagle's power, and eagle's potential. But because he was raised in a chicken environment, he did not know who he was. So he began to dream chicken dreams and think chicken thoughts and played chicken games, and he even entertained chicken ambitions. And his only obstacle in life was to hop, skip, and jump on top of a fence post and to cock a doo doo like a rooster, because he did not know who, in fact, he was. And so one day, while this confused bird was playing with the other chickens in the chicken coop, all of a sudden, flying in the sky was an adult male eagle. And when he saw this confused bird, he swooped down to the ground and said, ''Boy, you ain't no chicken. You're an eagle!'' And your talons were never meant to rake and scrape the ground for worms and feed, but they were meant to snatch the stony sides of mountains. Boy, he said, you ain't no chicken. You are an eagle. And your wings were never meant to be limited to the narrow confines of a barnyard, but they were meant to stretch forth as you soar into the sky into your own immeasurable genius. Boy, he said, you ain't no chicken. You are an eagle. And until you recognize that you are an eagle you will never rise to your greatness. There's so much power. There's so much God power on the inside of you. But if you live in the shadow of your own existence, you won't know the true God in you, and what God can do through your life. And so once you begin to identify your spiritual identity, that's where the power lies. And when we understand our spiritual identity, I can connect to the spirit in each and every one of you. And all of these differences mean nothing anymore because we have something common together. We have a fabric that is interwoven into our lives, and that fabric is Christ.
0: That's good. We've, we've talked about this a little bit before, and you spoke about the learn, I think it's learn, yes. love, lead. Mm-hmm. Those are three things. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit more?
1: I, I think the way that we can overcome the isms, the divisions, form true unity. You know, when God, when God was speaking to me about you know, joining 12 Stone and, and coming on staff, he said, son, I want you to do three things. He said, I want you to learn, love, and lead. So every individual that you meet, take the time to learn about them. See, because because isolation breeds ignorance. If if I choose not to say it again, say it again. Isolation breeds ignorance. But on the flip side of that, proximity is power. When I'm in close proximity with my brother and I take the time to learn him, and I have a teachable heart and a teachable spirit, then I'm going to learn something unique about you that I didn't know before. You know, one of the one of the things that I always say, because I have a men's group that I work with, and, and one of my biggest mantras, if you will, mottos, is every man needs a man. And I say that because as a man... My manhood is based upon my upbringing, my experience, what my father showed me. And as great as an example as he was, it was a very limited example. You as a man probably had a different upbringing. And so when I can connect with you and get to know you, there are aspects about your manhood that I could probably benefit and glean from. So me connecting with you helps to make me more complete as a man. Does that make sense? So if we take that out of the context of manhood and just deal with each other as individuals, when we take the time to connect and learn who the other person is, there are some gifts and talents and abilities and perspective and wisdom and, and, and you know, it's all types of things in a person that we can glean from. So he said, learn to learn to, lear, learn to learn from people. He said, also, I need you to love people. Everybody that you encounter, try to figure out how can I love you? I, I, I don't know you, man. I, I, what's your name? Grant. Grant so if I take the time to get to know him and learn him, then my, God is going to say, well, how can you love on grant? And I think that's what all of us need to do. We need to have that heartfelt connection that binds us together. And, and then the third thing, lead with your life. See, it's one thing to believe the Word of God. It's one thing to call ourselves a Christian. But how do you live your life? Are you living the Scriptures? Are you the walking, talking, living, breathing manifestation of the Word of God? If so, then you are li- not just talking the talk, but you're walking your talk. And if you walk your talk, you're truly leading in the area of which you believe. And as you lead by example, that is the best witness that you could ever have for other people. And so we need to understand... And my time is running up. We need to understand nope. that in this country, <laughs> in this country, we live in a, in, a, in a great country called America. And I've traveled all over the world, and there are great nations all over the place. But we have to realize that there are isms. There are differences. There, there, there are all types of... Um, inequalities that exist in the world. But it reminds me of the Declaration of of, of Independence. And it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to serve these rights, governments are instituted amongst men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that when any form of government is destructive to these ends, it is the will of the people to alter and to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such forms as to them that seem fit for their safety and happiness. And what that says as believers is that even no, we are citizens of this nation. As children of God, we are citizens of a higher nation. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Jesus is the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. And the Bible says that the government shall be upon his shoulders. And even though we're citizens of this nation, we're citizens of heaven. And it is our job and our responsibility, even when we pray the Lord's Prayer. We, what do we pray? Thy, we pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're calling on the kingdom of God and the culture of the kingdom to come down on earth. And if we the culture of the kingdom, all of the other differences that have divided us simply don't matter. Now, if we're truly living a kingdom life, the Bible says that we're ambassadors of who? Of Christ. Now think about an ambassador. An ambassador typically lives in an embassy or consulate. An ambassador lives in a foreign country but represents the home country. So if we are ambassadors of Christ representing the kingdom of God, we are foreign citizens in this nation representing another kingdom. So our homes should represent an embassy inside the embassy should represent the culture of the kingdom. If I were to go into the embassy of, let's just say, pick a country, France in the United States, when I enter into that embassy, I'm no longer in the United States. I've just entered into a new jurisdiction. If I wage war on the people inside the embassy of France, I've waged war on France. We have a problem. And so your home should represent the kingdom of God, the culture of heaven. And so if you truly represent the culture of heaven, then that means that we have our own government. We have our own laws. We have our own amendments. And when we live according to this word, it allows us to connect with other individuals. And hatred, which this world is soaked in, is stamped out by love, which this Bible is based upon. This is our government. These are our laws. We serve a God that is above every other thing in this earth, and when we serve him, we learn how to serve one another. We don't have to
0: pay attention to the clock. <laughs> anything, else, anything else you want to add? That was,
1: simply, yeah. simply, there's a scripture, if I could end with the scripture because I want to be respectful of time. Um, in First Peter, the third chapter, of the eighth verse says, finally, here... Here is the Bible speaking to each and every one of you through the writer. He says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. That is our responsibility as believers. One thing I love about 12 Stone, there's such diversity in this place. Diversity, which should breed unity. When you think about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is represented by every living thing that God created. There's a powerful scripture that found in Romans. This is so powerful. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. I'm going to read this twice. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to break it down. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His internal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what he has made, so that people are without excuse. Now, I'm going to read it slow and break it down. For since the creation of the world, meaning since Genesis chapter 1, when he created the heavens and the earth during those six days, since the beginning, God's invisible qualities. Now, God, we can't see God. God is invisible, correct? But it says that his invisible qualities, well, what qualities are those? Number one, his eternal power. And number two, his divine nature have been clearly seen. So in essence, this is saying that we can see the invisible God, how? Being understood from what has been made. So if we look at the creation of God, we see the nature of God. God's DNA is imprinted in his nature. It's imprinted in his creation. So let me ask you, are you created in God's image? Are you created in God's image? Are you, talk to me, are you created in God's image? This is a woman. This is a man. This man is black. That man is white. There's so much diversity. But everything that God created We can see his uniqueness. We can see his nature through his creation. So whenever you look at somebody and you begin to judge and to criticize who they are, what you're telling them, what you're telling yourself is that God made a mistake. That's in essence what you're saying. And if we believe that God is a powerful God, an infallible God who does not make mistakes, a God who cannot lie, as you see your brother and sister, you should see The God on the inside of them. And when we look through spiritual eyes and have a true heart for God, we can truly have unity, which I'm beginning to see at 12 Stone. We represent something that many churches around the world are striving for. You are in a unique position. Embrace it. Get a chance to get to know one another. Don't just worship next to somebody and don't even touch them, talk to them, get to know them. This is a family right here. And when you operate as a family, we all win. Amen?
0: Amen. Amen. Man, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, Hassani's pretty pretty new around here, and, and I had one conversation with him, and immediately I was like, I need you to come talk. Uh, it was pretty quickly. I, I knew I wanted him in my corner. I just, you. I
1: just have one ask. Yeah. Can I come back? I- <laughs> Would that be all right?
0: Please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So I know you got a family and you took the tonight. So thanks, man.
1: Appreciate you.
0: Can we give it up for him one more time? Thank you. Jared, you can come up here. I want to uh, just kind of close with uh, a few thoughts. That was good, isn't it? Like I said, I-, I, wish, um, I wish we had a lot more time. Obviously, we could unpack this uh, a lot more, and Hassani could say a bunch of things. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but he quoted the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> sometimes, uh, I think sometimes we love talks that enlighten us, that maybe bring to mind some different things, or we walk away and go, oh, man, that was that was cool, or that was really smart. It's easy to hear something, but then not really know how does this change me? like well, how do i how do I leave from this change? What do I begin to change in my life? And um, we're going to do the the one race thing this weekend. I think that's one like step that maybe you want to be a part of that's uh, really churches from all over. Like, I I believe it's even greater than the state of Georgia. Churches from all over the country coming together, musicians from all over the country coming to be a part of this worship thing and and praying together. And essentially, it's, um, you know, back in the early 1900s, a Methodist preacher uh, marched up Stone Mountain and burned a cross and began the KKK right there on Stone Mountain here in that area. And so this is churches coming together going, listen, we should be united out of everyone in the country, the church should stand united and the church ought to be the ones that stand for unity more than anything else. And so this is just something that a lot of people are joining together to be a part of, to march up the mountain and to begin to pray and seek God's face and ask for a revival in our country because I believe that's what we need. And so you can jump into that if you wanna jump into that, but what else, you know, is it is my question is, is it possible that God would want you to change something about your life? Is it possible that God would want to change something in you? And I'm not saying, you know, that all of you have these deep hatred things in you, but I think we all have to get to a place where we examine ourselves and go, maybe part of the change is me. Like, maybe I'm not perfect in this. And and maybe if if there is no hatred or none of that exists, maybe just an extra step of what he was saying of proximity, maybe that would breed a relationship and that would breed unity. Like, maybe just an extra step to get out of our comfort zone. Maybe we just need to begin to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Maybe that would start something. So I don't know what it is in your life or what it is that maybe God would speak to you and say hey i want to work in this area but i know he, i know he wants to because i believe he wants to call down an awakening i believe a revival needs to start in our country and it starts with us i want to read to you a uh, scripture that i've been praying all week and just meditating on it it's, it's, you may have heard it second chronicles 7 chapter 4 or chapter 7 verse 14 It says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And listen to this, and I will heal their land. I will heal their land. If my people, this is what fascinates me about this scripture. It's if my people who are called by my name. He's saying if the Christians... If those who are believers will do this, then I'll respond to them, and I will begin to heal their land. I believe that's significant, that the change begins with the people of God. The revival starts with the people of God. If my people will turn from their wicked ways and seek my face and cry out to me, if that will happen, I'll hear from them, and I'll heal their land. Can I just ask you a question and maybe it's maybe it's too blunt, but I believe God gave it to me. How many of us are waiting on government to repent and turn from their wicked ways when God's waiting on his people to repent and turn from their wicked ways? I put myself in that. It's easy to yell at a TV. It's easy to yell on Facebook. It's easy to yell and wait for someone else to change. But the scripture says, if my people, the people who are followers of me, will turn from their wicked ways, repent, seek my face, call out to me, then I'll heal them, and I'll heal their land. I believe that's significant for us. So I want to pray for us. The band's going to come back up, and then they're going to lead us in a song that we sing a lot here at 12 Stone. In fact, it's a song that uh, the worship people at 12 Song wrote, a song called Awakening. And uh I believe it should be the cry of our hearts to pray for an awakening, that God would unite his people together, that God would convict us of where we need to repent and turn from our wicked ways, and that we would begin to seek his face Then we would see an awakening happen when that happens. Can we do that? Can we pray? Good. Let me pray for you. Father, even as we were talking before the service, uh, unity is not a man-made idea. It wasn't something that we came up with, that we should be united and it would help things, maybe fix a couple things. Father, this this was your idea. Unity was your idea. It was your solution. It's even how you created the world. And, Lord, I believe that, um, that you're calling your people to something greater and that you're calling your church to be the example. You're calling your church to show the rest of the world what it looks like for all races, genders, classes to come together and be united in one thing, and that is your spirit. That is you living inside of us, the strongest bond that could unite anybody. So, Lord, I pray that you would stir an awakening in our hearts. God, it goes beyond just tonight, it goes beyond hearing a good little talk. But, Lord, that it goes into tonight, it goes into tomorrow when we encounter people that are different than us, that don't look like us, talk like us, come from the same background as us. God, I pray that it's in those moments that you would remind us of the unique value that you have put in each and every one of us because we're made in your image. Father, if you're looking for a place to begin an awakening, Lord, we would say we're ready. We're asking, we're hungry, and we're willing. Begin it in us, oh God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.